You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Jonathan Larson asked, how can you make someone take off and fly in one of his songs from Tick Tick Boom? And I, for the past two years, have learned one way to do it, through the power of community. Welcome to the Latinx in Musical Theater special for season three of Backstage Talk, where we will be featuring artists from across all positions in musical theater, from several Latin American countries and different Latin heritages. I am proud to showcase my Latinx family. I hope you enjoy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk. Today's guest is Gil Torres. He is a Mexican-American actor, dancer, and singer, born in Chihuahua, Mexico. And growing up in Northern California, Hill remembers making people laugh through song and dance. With his BA in musical theater under his arm, he moved to New York City, where he's had the chance to work off-Broadway, regionally, and in one of his utmost passions, new works. I am super excited to introduce my Twitter friend, Hill, to everyone. So, Hill, thank you so much for being here. I am honored to be featuring you on Backstage Talk Welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so honored, um, especially because this is the part where I get to tell you, oh my God, that is the sweetest introduction ever. Can I just carry you around with me everywhere I go? So that, there it is. <laughs> That's, I have to say that. Um, so there you go. I'm I'm good. Um, no, that was very sweet. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> you make me feel like someone, someone important. <laughs> you are. You are. Oh my gosh. First thing I want to ask you is what made you choose the thespian path in life? So the thespian life, you know, that thing that people always say about how I can't remember, like when I didn't want to do this, I, that's so generic and basic, but truthfully, I don't know any other way to describe it because ever since I feel like it was the moment I came out of the womb, I was like, boom, okay, like, let's, let's get to like the show. Uh, because since childhood, I just always remember like really loving anything artistic. I you would sing, dance. I would like reenact the novelas that I would watch on TV. I would like reenact the scenes. 
And so just from the childhood, and I, it wasn't ever like, uh, oh, I am going to be a thespian. It was more like, yeah, no, this is just like what I'm into. And then once I discovered theater specifically, I was done for. I was like, oh, okay, like this is it. I'm done for. And it, I became this like crazy obsessed theater kid. And now I've just become into this theater obsessed adult. And so that's how we are here. I, but um, I mean, along the way, there were a lot of, there were a lot of like little like uh, milestones and little, little like checkpoints where I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. This is I'm meant to be doing this. I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit about your journey in musical theater. Okay, so my journey I would say started when I was a very little kid, and I have the earliest memories of loving all the Disney movies, specifically The Little Mermaid, of course. And my favorite thing to do was reenact the movie and sing all the songs. And we had a family camera, and I remember I would grab mm -hmm. it, and it, I would, like, look over to see what was taped, and I would kind of decide, like, is it worth keeping this? And if it was, like, someone's, like, baptism or something, I'd be like, mm, not really. And then I would go ahead and tape myself singing, like, Part of Your World over and over again. Just, like, multiple takes. Like, the OG self-tape, I would say. <laughs> um and so that that became a thing and then um i remember oh god i remember i was obsessed with this singing competition show that plays in mexico called la academia mm -hmm. um and basically it was like their version kind of american idol but it's they all lived in the house together it was like big brother slash american idol and um there was always like a, like an educational component to it that i really liked But the point is, is that I saw one of the girls, she sang this song that they were like, oh, this is a really hard song to sing. And it was called, it was Don't Cry From Me, Argentina. So then me, mm -hmm. the ambitious child that I was, was like, oh, well, if that's like one of the hardest songs to sing, I'm going to learn how to sing it. Bring it. And so I found the karaoke track for it. Mind you, this was in Spanish. So it was No Llores Por Mi Argentina. So yeah. I, I would learn it. And then I'd be like, yep, nailed it. Like, I know it. I know one of the hardest songs ever. <laughs> <laughs> at like eight nine years old like singing evita no idea who this lady was but i was like yeah nailed it i got it and then quickly after that i had a music teacher who had told us like oh i just got back from new york city from seeing wicked and the boy from oz and i was like wicked boy from oz mind you i thought the two shows had something to do with each other of course mm -hmm. and so and so i started just like looking it up and I remember I stumbled upon Wicked and I heard some of the clips and I was like oh my god and then from then on I begged for the cast recording and once I got that I made a copy of it so I could keep the original and never damage it and scratch it and so I would just listen to like my burned CD copy of it all the time and then I just became like I went nuts and so the musical theater from then on I, I just became like this thing that I was like, oh, I have to do it. And immediately I was like, where do I audition? How do I do this? I want to be singing the songs. Where's the closest community theater? Where's my high school play? Here we go. I love it. Did I answer your question? Sorry. I forgot. I'm like, did I, I'm like, did I go off the rails? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I love it. So how did okay. you end up in New York after your BA in musical theater? Okay. So I went to school. Uh, in Northern California, in this very small town called uh, Chico, California State University, Chico. 
I went there for musical theater to get my BA. Um, I truthfully didn't really have a great experience. And so I, I just desperately always wanted to live in New York. I always wanted to be in the city. I wanted to be here like right after high school, like even though I didn't know anything about anything. And so I took it upon myself. Like once I got to school, I, I, I love learning. It's just, I didn't particularly enjoy college, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. And so I knew that I wanted to get out of there ASAP. And so I graduated a semester early. And I, right after that, I did um, what would have been my spring semester of senior year. I got cast in a production of Hairspray as one of the council kids out in the Bay Area. And so I thought, you know what? Like, I've, this is a dream show of mine. I've always wanted to do it. Who knows if I'll ever get to do it? Like, I'm just going to do this. And um just kind of like in, in, enjoy being in a show and just that after having like a really mm-hmm. difficult three and a half years of theater school dancing around doing like the pony to hairspray for a couple of months sounded like the best thing ever yeah so i did that and then right after that the summer of 2015 dear lord i made the move it was i would say one of like the easiest decisions of my life i just i was always gonna make the move it, it was just a matter of, um, it was just a matter of, like, saying yes to it. So I had a friend call. She said, hey, do you want to move to the city? My lease is about to end. And I just said, yeah. And then the next day, we had booked tickets, and we were on our way. Um, yeah, so I landed here in June 2015, and I just, I always knew I was going to end up here from childhood. I was always that annoying kid who, I grew up in California. And so I was always that annoying kid who was like, okay, I'm in small town. I'm I'm too big of a star to be here. I'm meant to be a celebrity. Get me out of here. I'm gonna <laughs> go to New York and like be famous. <laughs> like that, that's like what little me would say. Well, then then change into like okay, I want to like work in theater. I want to be an artist, and I want to live in New York City. And so yeah, I arrived June 2015, and um, I've been here ever since. Quite literally, I've been back home to California since I moved here. It's been quite a quite a wild journey. So you've gotten the chance to perform off-Broadway regionally in a bunch of shows. I want to ask you, what's your approach to performing musical theater? So my approach to it, um, oh, not to get super actory, but first and foremost, of course, like I approach it with a sense of truth. And I always approach it with like mm-hmm. an acting first perspective. Like that's always like at the forefront. I I was drawn into musical theater because it made me feel things and there are moments that have like been like life changing for me and I want to be able to recreate those moments for other people. So my approach to it is be as truthful as possible. However, something that I think gets forgotten a lot of the times is that it's supposed to be fun. And so I always approach it with a sense of fun. Even now, like, I'm doing a production of Men of La Mancha, which actually opens on, like, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> and um, I'm, I keep on trying to remind myself, like, this is fun. Like, I, I signed up for my seventh grade musical because I wanted to have fun. And I was so excited to go to rehearsal and play around and pretend, you know, play, like, make believe. Mm-hmm. And so that's something yeah. that I always try to keep. I think it, I, it gets lost sometimes along the road. Um, when you're training and you're like in these musical theater programs and you're auditioning and just doing the hustle in New York City 
because it is a lot of work. And I think a lot of times we are so focused on the perfection aspect of it that um, we forget how fun it is. Like right now, right when I was doing a self-tape right before this, I was getting really stressed out because something just wasn't clicking and I just had to tell myself, have fun. It's a monologue for a play that's on a stage. And I think that takes off so much of the pressure of it. And I think that ultimately that's when I always say I, I do my best work when I just let myself have fun. I love it. I absolutely love it. So do you think, do you have any other piece of advice you would tell a younger version of yourself? Because I loved that having fun advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually thought about this recently. Um, the advice I would tell my younger self would be to, I would tell my younger self, don't worry about being good, just do it anyway. And that's something that I am embracing now in my adulthood. Um, I would I was always so worried about getting things right and being perfect. And um, I always felt like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like, am I not enough? All of those things that you get told as a kid, especially when you're like a young mm-hmm. gay Latino kid growing up, you know, in a very yeah. like white city. Um And especially like in the musical theater industry, uh, feeling like there wasn't really a spot for you. And so having that extra pressure of, oh, I need to be extra, extra good because the odds are already so against me. And then having that be a source of fear and then ultimately just kind of paralyzes you. And so for a while, I did feel like a little bit stuck. I felt a little bit afraid. And like, I felt held back like I couldn't go after the things I wanted but now that I've kind of come around to thinking don't worry about if the audition is good or don't worry if like don't worry about the idea of being good just do it anyway just show up to the audition just sing the song the best you can and that's brings me to like a second piece of advice that I've I always I tell myself like pretty much every day is that I'm doing the best I can especially I'm doing the best I can with what I can this very day so like right now like i was yeah and so i those would be like the two big things like don't worry about being good just get it done and then just truthfully just do your best i love them i love those two pieces of advice thank you so much for that so in in your acting experience And in terms of Latin latinx in musical theater what is visibility and representation for you Visibility and representation to me is being able to see yourself authentically in all aspects of the industry. So it also means that, that being able to see, see yourself authentically in stories that um, are specific. And it's not just like one blanket story of that's supposed to fit every single Latino community. We're all so different. We're not a monolith. And so being able to see yourself represented in, for example, one of the first times I ever saw myself was in Ugly Betty with Justin Suarez, but it was because it was specific. Like he loved musical theater. He loved fashion. He came from a Mexican American home. And so in my mind, it was like, check, check, check. Got it. Like, that's me. And I think it, because it was sold in such an authentic and honest way. And like some, a lot of times, like some things weren't always pretty. Um, that's what's important to me. Something that, like, even now, like, 
um now that I'm older, I look back and that's still like something that I look back on. And I'm like, oh, I still see myself in that kid, even though I'm so much older than that, you know, with Justin's age is that yeah. an ugly Betty. Um, so that to me is important. I'm like, if if I still see myself in that, like so many years later, that's 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 a good stuff. That's what matters. I, I agree with you. It's so important to, and in and, and any stage in life, it's so important to see ourselves represented in characters across the, the the industry not only on in theater or on broadway but also in films and tv um and and in books actually to just like see and be like that character could be me and it's so important so in that order of ideas how do you think that we can increase latin visibility and representation on broadway well, on Broadway specifically, oh, well, I know that I know that we've all heard about how we need to see representation in all aspects of the industry, whether it be actors, directors, you know, from the like the the top to the bottom, like people in the Broadway league, producers, theater owners, everyone that we need that representation throughout we, we don't just need oh we have a few cast members in our show like check like what 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 are you complaining about um however something that i feel doesn't get as much attention is that i think it can increase a lot of that visibility and representation through our educators because that's something that i, I always struggled with that being a latino i never i never truly felt like i had a mentor growing up or like a teacher that really understood me. And I think a lot of the times that holds kids back from pursuing like a career in the theater. It holds them back thinking, oh, I, I like I have this vivid memory of like being in, in college and like going through with my acting teacher, going through a bunch of monologues and having him not able to come up with one and just say, oh, you, you know what? Just write your own because I can't think of anything for you. That's from an educator. Yeah. So how are we? So and I know that that's the the case for a lot of other kids. So how are we supposed to tell them like, hey, there's a spot for you when there's people that like to me like I had to do a lot of my own education. So I, if I since I didn't have a mentor for me, it was let me look up who's writing plays in New York City about Latinos and reach out to them, or let me see like let me buy whatever play I can find written by a Latino and read it because clearly like I'm going to have to roll my sleeves and do it myself. And there's a certain honor and pride that comes with that. But there's also like a really like deep sense of um, resentment that can sometimes be built when you don't have that person to guide you. So I think having like more diversity in like musical theater programs, for example, that would have been like such a, like a valuable piece for me to to see like, oh, someone who looks like me, who has, who understands me, who like connects with me, they're reassuring me there's a place for me because they've done it and they're out there. So I think increasing visibility in that will continue to inspire kids to pursue them because I feel like there's so many that really want this, but because they don't have that resource, it's almost like they tell themselves, well, then there must not be a place for me. So maybe I shouldn't pursue it. And that's that's how we get with the Broadway that we have today, essentially. <laughs> it's getting better, of course, you know, but um, 
I, I think for how much the theater community um, has grown, I think we still have a lot of long way to go. Yeah, we're we're on the good route though, but there is still yes. a lot, a lot of ground to cover. Uh, but fortunately, <laughs> things have been better and will continue to get better. I bet on that. <laughs> yes, I agree. I hope so. Yeah. So going back into your acting experience, what is the most important part of creating Latin characters in musicals? Ooh most important part of creating Latin characters in musicals. I th I think the most important thing is to look at them as people, like less as characters. And that because I think that's when you really understand like the different layers of a role, like the the best roles. You always hear that like, oh there's so many layers to it. They're like such like a flawed individual. But that's true when we when we create Latin characters, like again I think being specific is so important because somebody who grew up in Mexico is going to have a different experience than a Puerto Rican, you know, um, from things like the, like the way they speak Spanish, the culture, like family dynamics, like everything. And so I think when we're creating characters, Latino characters in musical theater, we have to remember, we can't just say, oh, that's Latin character. We have to get, like, no, but, like, mm -hmm. where are they from? Like, like, what is their family like? Make them into a person and not just shark number two from the left, Bodo, and Westside. Yeah. And, you know, like, all of those things paved the way for us, but when we're making characters, like, look at all, like, these, like, amazing complex roles that are out there, you know? Like, we have, like, the Jean Valjeans, we have, like, the Elphabas, like, all of these like great roles and they're, they're always like so complex and layered why why couldn't why can't that be the case for other for for this why is this any different mm -hmm. yeah i agree i totally agree with you so i'm like so, before oh, sorry, we wrap ahead. up <laughs> oh no 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 go ahead if you have last thoughts oh no I was, just, I was just gonna say like and ultimately i just think there has to be a lot of heart i think like, if there's something that does connect a lot of the Latino community is that we're very loving people. And I think getting a bad core is how you end up with shows like In the Heights, you know, like those mm -hmm. like really emotional shows where like there's so much heart into them and they're written with so much loving care. And I think, I think that's also something that needs to not be overlooked. I mean, I don't even know what I'm trying to get with this, but that's just the word heart came to mind. <laughs> yeah absolutely no I, I i agree with you once we start like being more true to who we are and all the variety and diversity that we have as latins um we will connect more to our hearts i totally agree with you on that you know me and my mom always have the saying we're like Aina llevamos, and that's a, that's kind of how i feel about this like one step at a time we're getting there we're getting there, and I'm, yeah. um, I'm I'm a very hopeful person. I'm very optimistic. I think I think we're gonna be okay. Oh, we are, we are. So, before we wrap up, if someone wants to follow you on social media, um, take a look at the work you've done, maybe want to work with you, where can people find you? Where where are what are your social media handles? Of course. Okay, so my social media resume is. <laughs> Instagram, you can find me at uh, Gil Torres NYC. 
that is Tours with two R's, Gil with only one L. And then um, on Twitter, you can find me at Gil Tweets Stuff, which has been my username since I made my Twitter account in choir class in high school. <laughs> and so, um, let's see. And then, let's see, Instagram, Twitter, what else is there? Oh, I just started posting on TikTok. Um, and so you can find me there at Gil Torres NYC as well. So, yeah, I'm starting to put up, you know, like videos of me singing and just theater related stuff. I'm actually losing my mind because just um, Harvey Firestein just followed me after I tagged him in something. So I'm like kind of losing it, but you know. <laughs> I'm very excited, nevertheless. So yeah, it. I would say those those are the three spots you can find me: Instagram, Guildtours NYC, TikTok, Guildtours NYC, and then Guildtweet stuff on Twitter. Awesome. And last question: Which are your top five favorite musical theater shows? Ooh, oh, I should have known you were gonna ask this. Okay, I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm gonna say one: Wicked, In the Heights, Into the Woods, um, Hairspray. Oh my god. The fifth. What's the fifth one gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in. Oh, bear with me. <laughs> what did I say? Wicked in the Heights. Martin, what did I say? Into I the totally woods. I threw like into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> totally like. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 you know what? I'll, I'll, height, I'll throw you in the Heights. Into the woods. Um. Oh my God! I forgot the other wicked, one. You wicked mentioned. and hairspray. Yeah, wicked and hairspray. Yeah. There we go. There we have. Four. And then my, my fifth one. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gonna throw in a fifth one that's just like I love it so much. It's um my favorite flop musical ever, and it's all shook up. I'll just th- throw that in there because it was the first national tour I ever saw, and I was doing a fifties musical at the time, and they took us to go see this fifties musical to like kind of tell us like show us how it's done. And I remember going to see it and I like my jaw was on the floor. I was like, wait, these people sing this well like every single night. They do this every single day. <laughs> and um <laughs> I got the cast recording and then I was determined to sing like Shine Jackson, like if it was the last thing I ever did. Um so that's that also just has a really I, I listen to it often actually. So I'll I'll say that's my fifth just because of the sentiment behind it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, Hill, thank you so much for joining me here in Backstage Talk. It's been an honor, a pleasure to have you. Um, and I really cannot wait for the success that will come to you. I know that. So thank you so much for being here. So sweet. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was, this was so much fun. <laughs> Congrats on the podcast. This is amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.